Welcome to Hope and Heresy, Life on the Religious Left, where we wrestle with contemporary issues using history and theology as our guides. Our task is to reclaim religion for everyday people who want to live meaningfully without letting arbitrary doctrine or oppressive religious practice prevent us from asking big questions about our complicated world. I'm Reverend Sarah Lindsay. And I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, and we're Unitarian Universalist Ministers broadcasting from Community Church of New York here in New York City. So today we are talking about suffering, and in each of our episodes for this season, we're going to sort of ground our conversation in some sort of real-world experience, and this one was a little bit easier than any of us would like, given that we are in month 20-ish, who knows what time is anymore, 20-ish of the COVID pandemic of 2020, 2021, and beyond. Um, so just to sort of, you know, it's it's a very easy kind of thing. We are all watching and in the middle of suffering that doesn't have a clear point of evil as its origin, right? Just the natural occurrence of disease that is running amok and we are all feeling that hard. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about suffering. What is the deal? <laughs> Why do we care? What do we think? What is it? And since this new season is really trying to be something of a glossary for theological concepts, we're starting the episode with the word. The, the word here is theodicy. And a theodicy is traditionally understood to be kind of a justification or a defense of God in face of evil and suffering. So it's really um, in, a, in a very kind of mainstream way of understanding this, somebody suffers and we sort of either say, well, you know, there's free will and, you know, God gave us free will and free will was an act of love and we get to decide and do what we want to do. And sometimes suffering is a byproduct of that. And then you sort of follow that through and say, well, so the Holocaust was, you know, got, that was just free will. And that's just what humans do to each other, which leads us to this idea that God could change things, just doesn't. The other side of that is God can't change things, that God is actually powerless, that God can't change our behavior at all or change the way things go. And then there's sort of this traditional like, oh, then what do I need God for? And that's sort of theodicy in its traditional way in a very short little summary. But as progressives, we don't tend to think in terms of those questions. We don't really think in terms of like a God that does and doesn't do things or acts, you know, in history in the same way. We don't think in terms of questions of power so much, but we still live with suffering and certainly now, but all through history, right? There have been, you know, plagues and earthquakes and all kinds of things. There's suffering of all kinds. And probably if you're a listener, you have also suffered in some way in your life because it's part of the human condition. 
So come back with me for one second. I just want to make sure we like really clearly. So theodicy is the sort of theological work, the religious work, the institutional sometimes work of explaining, traditionally explaining why God is still good and lovable and necessary, even though there's suffering in the world. And what we're sort of saying is that as liberal religious folks who maybe some believe in God and some don't, we're asking what are the questions around suffering? If the question is not, how do we justify God? What is the question around suffering, right? Yes. Right, that, right yeah. that's our work, right? So, because the people, yeah. because as, as progressive thinkers, we, we just don't live our lives, I mean, some do, but, but often don't live our lives with this sense of God as, as one who's in charge in that way, where we have to sort of decide if God is or isn't making something happen, that that isn't usually the framework we use to live our lives, and yet we still suffer. And right, so right, and then we can't we can't point to the suffering and be like, well, this is a test of my faith, or this is a way to make me clean so I can go to heaven, or this is then there's no sort of ready, and it's and it is one of the as our producer Amy pointed out, it's one of the sort of somewhat deeply unsatisfying parts potentially of liberal progressive religion is that there is not a ready answer to why am I suffering? Now, of course, the flip side of that, Peggy and I have the same experience of fathers who lost a parent young and the world said, you know, God, this is God's plan. God wants your parent in heaven. So plenty of people bristle at the idea that a ready answer is God wants this thing, right? And I think we're sort of in that place of like, the question isn't necessarily why am I suffering? The question is more, suffering is a part of life. What do I do about that? Right. And how do we, um, how do we live into or, or just live in a world where people suffer some pretty horrific things and we watch and we witness and we accompany each other through it, but really ask the question of, you know, why? Why is this all part of life? Why does this have to happen? And and maybe the bigger question of how? How do I how do I get through this? How do I move in in a way that that incorporates both the reality of suffering and and still sort of live a life that is balanced or joyful? Yeah. So that question of like why is this happening? Um if we sort of dispense with the idea of a God that does or doesn't cause it to happen, and we're not, we're specifically not talking today about suffering that happens at the hands of a fellow human, right? That's an important thing to note. That is not what we're talking about today. We're talking about just the, the suffering that goes on, disease, death, um, breakups, whatever it is, right? Like life is sort of full of suffering um, that is not, that you can't put at anyone's feet, right? You can't be like, this was your, right? Like it just, sometimes it just, there's pain. Um, and I think where, where I come down on this and, and we can talk this through a little bit, but where I come down is, and partially this is because of a response my father had once to sort of say to me, why would you think there wouldn't be pain, right? Why would you think that life would be all joy? And if we look around at the, even the cycle of the natural world, right? There is embedded in everything about this earth that we live on. There are cycles of living and dying. There are cycles of 
fulsomeness and sparsity. Is that a word? But like that's sparseness, sparseness. But this is the point, right? There's just, it's just, it's, it is fundamentally part of life. And so for me, I'm kind of like, I don't even actually necessarily care about the why. It's just, it just is like the why is it is. It's part of the balance of all things is that we do suffer, right? And we feel intense joy. It's all in there. We, we live on a really difficult planet. I mean, that's the truth. And human life is set up to, to end. And there's, there's no way around it, whether that ends quickly or after a very long time, the loss is real. What, it, what we have in our own lives is temporary. And all the people we have around us are temporary. All, and there is a power, I think, in acceptance of just knowing that, right? There's, there's something beautiful about accompanying someone in their death when they have accepted it. And this is the stage that they are in. And this is what it looks like to come to the end. Of course, not everyone has that opportunity, which is you know, a big part of what creates the suffering is this like, that we live in a world that's also really random. Yeah, that question of, right, like the sort of um, borderline nihilistic kind of like everything is random, nothing has meaning. That's where I object, where I go, everything can be random, but there can still be meaning, right? Like there can, it can be the case that for no discernible reason, my uncle gets leukemia and dies in his early 50s, right? And that doesn't mean either A, that his suffering was inherently valuable, or B, that his suffering was inherently meaningless, right? Neither one of those things are true. <laughs> um, and I think that's where we move from this question of like, why am I suffering into, so I am suffering, now what, right? Like, what does that mean? What does the pain mean for my life, for my family's life, for the future as, as part of the human experience? Well, and I think that that's really how we make meaning with and for each other, right? I mean, without, without looking to some cosmic meaning for my pain, right? The, the meaning is between us. How is it that we, between two people or within a community, how do we create meaning with and for each other? How do we sort of, we bang up against it just by being together and bringing it into the circle. That for me, that's, that's the more powerful sense of meaning in this. And then how we accompany each other through it is also for me, on its own meaningful. And I don't know, I mean, talking about theodicy, like, do we need a defense of God or is there a defense of the universe? I, I think that rather than thinking in terms of defense, we need to think in terms of acceptance. Well, acceptance and then um, sort of is the acceptance itself. This is what I want to ask, actually. I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Is the acceptance itself the meaning, right? So, so there are folks who suffer and out of their suffering, they create change in the world or they devote themselves to causes or they, you know, and then there are among us those who suffer and the, the work is just accepting that and living their life deeply in their communities and not necessarily 
devoting themselves to an external cause, but but sort of devoting themselves to becoming sort of okay, okay is I feel like is a weird word, but right. In other words, what I'm saying, I guess, is I think there's not one right way to make meaning out of a suffering, right? Suffering isn't only then valuable if we produce something in the world because of it, right? That there's that there's a way to suffer meaningfully in your own self and life without it having to be some, you know, commendable, earn you a mention on whatever, you know what I'm making sense? Yeah, well, I mean, I, and I think in some ways as a society, we hold up people who transform their suffering into, you know, terrific acts of justice and compassion. And, and that's all good. I mean, we think of like, you know, Mother Jones and people who, do amazing things out of out of their suffering. But I think for most of us, we we just expand, right? We we go through something and and our spirits or our souls just stretch. They stretch out, they stretch down, they stretch up, they stretch out. And and what it means is simply how we can then be present to the next person it's it isn't that i mean we we change the world maybe in smaller ways by simply allowing someone else their grief or you know just being um being a safe place being able to hold whatever it is that the world is offering and then creating i mean there are just there's some people right they just are so um completely balanced that you just want to stand close to them to to experience that sense of peace for a little while i think it's okay if that's all that's all that happens you move through it you find joy somewhere on the other side and then you create some space around you for someone else to maybe find their joy too. Well, I think I think that is actually, I am always, um, how do I wanna phrase this? Maybe I am less, not less, maybe I'm less caught by the like, here's my heroic story of taking my suffering and creating a foundation in an institute. Um, the, the, the part that moves me about that is not the creation of the institute, it's the affirmation of life in the face of suffering, right? So what I'm actually, so what I'm coming around to is even those sort of smaller meaning makings, I don't even wanna call them smaller, right? What, we're, what, I, what I think is that the meaning that comes out of suffering potentially is the affirmation of life in the face of it, right? So the, the force of being, the force of living, the force of joy that can be found and cultivated and can exist even in the face of the most horrific horror, right? And that that, so in a way it becomes less a defense of God, less a defense of the universe and more a defense of like the human capacity to exist, the human desire to, to live and live with some degree of joy, right? And that that's what we're actually defending. And here I am going all humanist, I guess, but like what we're actually defending is sort of that the, the force of creativity and being that resides in every person. And that comes back to this point that you made about like the presence, right? That like, that what we have to offer is presence to ourselves and to the life, our lives in their wholeness 
and presence to each other in our suffering and our joy, right? Like that that's the thing. There's no one way to affirm life, right? There's no one way to be joyful in the face of pain. But that if we can do that, then there's meaning in the suffering. Well, and I also, it occurs to me that we then create generational wisdom. If we pass this to whomever is next and, and over the course of human history, we build our capacity. And I wonder a little if we build our capacity so much so that we also can create tremendous suffering, which we seem to do for each other lately quite a lot. <laughs> but we also build our capacity to, to tolerate it, to grow through it, to live with it. That generational piece is interesting. I mean, you and I have talked a little bit about our, our fathers. I mean, mine was certainly like very angry for a very long time because of this loss, right? And some of that is because the meaning that folks tried to make for him was unsatisfying, right? And so until he could, and I'm not, to be perfectly frank, not sure he ever has, but until he can find the kind of life-giving meaning as opposed to the life sort of denying meaning, it's gonna be a source of anger and pain and tenderness and the generational wisdom gets lost, right? Like that there's something, it's a really interesting point about how the nature of humanity and how it lives over time in a world where suffering will always be. There will never not be suffering. Right? Well, and I think that there's, there's something sort of easy in those traditional answers, right? The answers that your father got and my father got, right? so my father's mother died when he was 10 and was sort of told, well, this is God's plan. And, you know, so he was able to quickly dismiss both God and the plan because that doesn't work for him. But there is something that's, um, that would be really, I guess I'm not, easy is not really the right word, but there's a simplicity to someone else's in charge and we don't we don't know why and it just is this way but it's okay right there's a comfort that comes from that very traditional theology of you know and even i think for some people something beautiful about like god has loved us so well like you would love a teenager who you are finally giving the car keys to like i trust you and you're going to do the right thing. And even if you don't, I'm gonna love you. And there's something about that theology that I think people hold on to for a reason. It, it isn't for me ultimately satisfying. And I think that there are enough damaged people out there like, like our fathers who find that to be not just meaningless but really propels them away from their communities because no one could hold them in their suffering. No one could allow it just to be what it is. Well, and that's, so two interesting things I think come out of this, right? That like, when you have to deal with the question of God by definition, because your tradition holds to a God and a particular vision of that God. And by the way, go listen to season three where we talk all about God. <laughs> um, but if you, if you have that, right, then there's limitations there in some sense, right? Like there's a you have to orient around that. If you get rid of that, if you're in a tradition as we are, where God doesn't necessarily have to factor in, although God can, 
then your answer to the question, the answer to theodicy, the answer to all of it is very different. Um, you don't, and potentially, potentially doesn't propel people out <laughs> um, because it opens a space for suffering to simply be and be affirmed, right? So for grief and pain to be seen and known and recognized and not forced along a timeline, not squash down deep inside because put it all aside because God's doing what God's doing, right? That there's, there is an openness and an acceptance of grief and pain that doesn't necessarily exist in traditions that try to shut it down, right? And there is the cultivation of community and presence, right? Like that's the, maybe that's the answer to theodicy in a liberal religion. Thanks, Sarah. I think that's great. You did, you totally explained all of that really well. And I'm really hoping that um, as we start to end this episode, that people are walking away with some sense of how to ask these questions and how is it that in their own lives, they're able to experience their own suffering and witness other people's suffering and open up the questions about why does this happen and how are we present to each other and maybe to let go of some old theologies that weren't working and start moving into a new way of understanding this really difficult but very real part of human life. So also because this season we're talking about things that really get into the stuff of all of our lives, we're really hoping that you will, if you are inclined, share back with us some of your stories, some of your reactions. You can do that in comments or you can do that by emailing us at podcast at ccny.org. We wanna know how you are handling theodicy and meaning of suffering in your own life. Well, this has been a good first episode for this new season. It's good talking to you, Sarah. You too, Peggy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.